clean, huh? Or, uh, we are in the middle, literally, in the middle of the book of Habakkuk, which we started last week. And we're already halfway through a book. And uh, that is amazing too, isn't it? As we go amazing grace and step by step, that's where we're at. And we come to Habakkuk's second complaint. I had some outlines. Are they are they out and about moving around there? Moving around? Okay. Um, Habakkuk is a very, very timely book. And um, I mean, it could be timely for any time and never be out of step. And I, I think in our time, especially with um, all the crazy things happening, how does, uh, how does God fit in with all the things that are happening in the world? That's kind of what Habakkuk is uh, thinking. Some people um, will ask, this question we've been talking about so much lately is if there's a God and He's a good God and He's a kind God, He's a loving God, why does He allow all the suffering and all the disease and murder and war and all the horror that's going on around in our world? How do you reconcile the God of the Bible right here with the history of the world? How do you reconcile that, right? Well, Habakkuk had a question something similar to that. Um, his first question is found in verse 2 how long O Lord will I call for help and you will not hear and I cry out to you violence yet you do not save it's like saying okay there's violence immorality amorality all sorts of things happening across the land of Judah and Lord why aren't you doing anything what you know? You need to be judging this nation, and we we need a revival here. Why isn't anything happening? What what? Why not going on? Why don't you punish them at least? And then, um, yet we come to the promise as Habakkuk makes that question, and then God uh, gives a promise in verse five. And I like that verse. Look among the nations! Exclamation point! Observe! Exclamation point! Be astonished! Exclamation point! Wonder! Exclamation! Because I am doing something in your days. I am doing it. You would not believe it if you were told. And God is doing His thing right now. Just this very moment, He's doing doing His work, and that's uh, that's a great answer. Um, and of course, Habakkuk's going to have uh, another question. Um, but God answered. The only thing is, as he uh, went on with that answer to that question, starting at, uh, well, not only verse 5, but then 6 through 11, we see that Habakkuk actually gets an answer that he really wasn't prepared for. He got an answer, but it wasn't what he wanted. And uh, he had not misunderstood it. He knew what God was saying. Uh, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, and we remember the awful, savage, sordid description of uh, what was given in those uh, few verses there. Now Habakkuk's thinking, okay, God is our shepherd. God is the one who is taking care of us. A shepherd takes care, he feeds them, um, he comforts them, he protects them, right? And now it seems like the shepherd is turning on the sheep. Turning against him, it almost seems like. And so Habakkuk um, is asking this kind of question. Now, there's there's a twofold question really that Habakkuk has, and we see one of them in the first 
chapter and then we see another one in the second, which is where we're getting at tonight, and then the answer that God has. So we, we've hit on that first one. Why does God set, let sin go unjudged? That's a pretty good one, isn't it? I think Christians can be asking that themselves. Why, why isn't God doing something? Why does He allow this to happen? Uh, oh Lord, how long will I call for help? He's been praying, He's been praying, and it doesn't seem like that uh, there's been the answer. Why, why don't you save? Uh, why don't you immediately judge it? And so now we'll pick it up in verse 12 in uh, chapter 1 and get the reply back from Habakkuk. And then he'll say, okay, God, I'll I'll wait for your answer (laughs) as he gives another question. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for who You are. For as we look into Your Word tonight, we know it talks of Your attributes. And we know when we come into prayer, we are to bring out what is on our mind and on our hearts as we commune with You, as we talk with You. Um, We know we should stand for righteousness. And so there are legitimate good questions to be asking You, as Habakkuk does here. And sometimes we may not get the answer in the way that we like, but we know in the ultimate, we know You are a good God. You are the eternal one. You are the self-existent one. You are the holy one. You are the one who is sovereign and running everything and it will be done in a perfect way. So as we look at your word tonight, even though there are many things that can be bothering us, we can take a look at you and your holiness and get things in the right perspective when we look at you and who you are. In your son's name, amen. Well, after um, those 11 verses, Habakkuk goes at it again and he he starts off with something here that uh, I really love. All the attributes of God. Does God ever really answer his question? He doesn't really answer the question. Well, he doesn't really tell him why. He doesn't really tell him. You know, I mean, the abstract of asking why it was happening, and God's just saying, just watch, give me, and all that stuff. I'm not seeing the an answer here. Well, when he gets into chapter 2, of course, we're going to start in 1, and he doesn't really get the answer in 1. Uh, yeah, God is already told him that I'm going to bring on the Chaldeans right. and I'm going to judge. Good, right. Now that's, that's the answer for that. But as you go into the second one and then he is going to proceed, okay, write this down. Okay? Write this down. Broadcast it. Wait. Because in my time, I'm going to do a judgment on the Chaldeans. And so in chapter 2, it's really his judgment on the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, although it also represents his judgment on anybody who's unrighteous. And as we look at this, we can see it as nations, Israel and the nations, or Israel and Babylon in this case. Oh, but also, it is, I think we can say it as we look into chapter 2, verse 4, which is really, this is what I consider to be the answer to the whole book in verse 4. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. There's only two kinds of people. They're the ones who are um, not justified by faith and the ones who are. Believers, unbelievers. But the righteous 
will live by His faith. Even when all the things are coming down all around us, we will still live by faith. So he's saying there's going to be a lot of things going on around in your world, in your life, um, around in the church, I mean, every, the political realm. Can, it can affect a lot of things, but he says when it comes down to it, the answer is, is what? The just shall live by faith. That means trusting in God, not just justification at salvation, but living by it. It's sanctification. It mean as a lot of people think it does, that the, the righteous will live, period. They may die. Right. Right. But they still maintain their faith in God, whatever their circumstances. That's exactly right. They don't lose hope. And so the believer, whether he's taken out by death, because persecution. A lot of what was coming against these people came against the believers too, and they died. Right. And that that uh, would be, I think, a good example down through the history of the church, where we've seen the martyrdom, uh, and even up through our time. And, and our problem is in our time frame. <laughs> yeah. Everything now in our time. And God, as He says here, is from everlasting. His judgments are not in this generation. They may be in the next five generations. They may be in the next thousand years. But His judgments are true. And we have a hard time reconciling our wants and desires with His plan. And don't you think that we expect God to save us from... The Chaldeans instead of keep us through. <laughs> I think that's what Habakkuk wanted. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I want. That's only natural. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's really his next question. How, how can you use these? Guys? Okay, God, I I see what you're doing. You're going to bring judgment. But then why are you using these guys? <laughs> you know, we're a little more righteous than they are. And then we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Yes, there is. <laughs> so, back up. Yeah, it's uh, very, very timely for us, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the answer is there. Um, it's, but like us as humans and as believers, we would like things to be maybe a little bit different than the way maybe God has planned. Well, it's because we look at him like our father, and that's what we're supposed to do. But a father makes his kids grow up, too. Discipline, right? right. Well, they've just got to grow up and go through hardship and learn paying bills and all that. You know, you've got to go through it. You've got to grow up. That's right. That's right. Okay, well, let's, let's pick it up. Verse 12, then. And uh, so here's Habakkuk now. He asked his question. God says, I'm bringing on the Babylonians. Man, they are furious too. I mean, I mean, uh, the, these people, they're going to come in and they're just going to devour. And that's the way they do everybody. He says, Habakkuk says then, well, are you not from everlasting? Oh Lord, my God, my Holy One. Look at the attributes that are through here. We will not die. You, O oh Lord, have appointed them to judge. That's what he got through the answer, right? 
And you, O rock, have established them to correct. Oh, here, here's who you are. You're everlasting. You're eternal. You're self-existent. You're holy. You're faithful. You are the one who is sovereign and the rock, foundation, strength. Then he says, your eyes are too, too pure to approve evil. And you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Israel, right? Why have you made men like the fish of the sea, like creeping things without a ruler over them? The Chaldeans bring all of them up with a hook, drag them away with their net, gather them together in their fishing net. Therefore they rejoice... And they're glad. Therefore, they offer a sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their fishing net because through these things their catch is large and their food is plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slay nations without sparing? I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. <laughs> What's happening? Well, I think a good question is, is how well do we know God when, when things aren't the way that we think they ought to be? Go and take a look at who God is. When there are problems in your life, go and take a look at who God is. Start thinking of His attributes. Think automatically how big that He is. We get ourselves off of that and then look at Him and we realize that um, God is doing His work. He's doing something that's amazing. Um, God, um, if, if you look in verse 11, okay, he, he starts to think about the one true God. You know, His God. Because it's almost like he starts thinking about like verse 11, God's answer. Where it says, Then they will sweep through like the wind and pass on. These are the Chaldeans. But they will be held guilty. They whose strength is their God. Their strength is their God. They have all sorts of other gods. Marmaduke and all those other ones, you know. But... They're, they're a prideful people, and that's what people are. They're prideful. And that's what we're always trying to be busted down with, uh, even as Christians, isn't it? That's our main problem. We have pride, and we want God to keep stripping that away. Well, they had a tremendous amount of pride, and as the more that they got built up and took on nations and, and defeated them and took on more and defeated them, uh, they had... A lot of strength, and uh, of course they looked at themselves and said, "Look how great we are as an empire." And when he says their God, then he immediately turns and he starts looking at his God, and he says, "No, wait a minute. Their God, the strength is their God. Wait a minute. You God are from everlasting. You are eternal." Boy, that's a good um, attribute to be thinking about, isn't it? 
it goes way beyond us. I mean, it's transcendent. Uh, our humanness and our, our minds cannot fathom what eternal is. Uh, we know God is. Uh, and so in this sense, that's where he starts with. And he says, their God doesn't really have any power. You know, if you want to look at their gods, their idol, uh, idols and, and such, and their own strength. Um, here we have, as he jumps here, he says, their God. Who's their God? He's nobody. My God is eternal from everlasting. That's what I know. I know that. He's not like the God of the Chaldeans. <laughs> their strength, their pride. He's not like the God of any man or any nation. The God I have goes from eternity to eternity. That's a good one to think on, isn't it? God has just announced He's going to come in and blow you to oblivion. And at the same time, He says, you're eternal. Wait a minute, you're, you're eternal. That is something that He knew. So He's on solid ground. It's almost like He's out there in a marsh. And He steps back out of that marsh gets back on solid ground and that's where we always need to be is looking at Him rather than uh, the situation and the problem. So that is, that's a key thing to everlasting. The, uh, look in Psalm 90, verse 2. You might recognize this because I think it's a psalm. <laughs> you already got it already, don't you? That's a psalm. Matter of fact, I think we've seen this song, don't we? Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Right? Aha! That's where that came from. It's based right out of that verse. Uh, from everlasting to everlasting. Um, God has always been here. Um, he, it's amazing. He created out of nothing. Ex nihilo, right? Uh, but He was not created. And He didn't create Himself. Some people will say that. God has always been here. And they can't fathom that. They can fathom um, something if you, if you put the, a book out in front of them and, and they said, okay, did this come across by accident? And they'd say, oh no, people put that together. That was some intelligence, right? That's just a, that's just a book with, with words. Music. Pretty phenomenal. Start comparing that to the human body. <laughs> or anything else. But we know that came from someone. And it just didn't come out of nothing. God created out of nothing, but something cannot come out of nothing unless it comes from an eternal being. And so that's the kind of God we have. There are no other gods that are eternal. I don't, I don't know of any that are announced in the uh, idolatry world. Do you know any <laughs> that are eternal? Not like this in this sense. Time was even created by God. And God must know then, if He's eternal, He's always known, and it's part of His plan that the Chaldeans would come down and they would raid us, they'd rape us, they would pillage us, and, but God was eternal. So, and so He might be asking this in question, but you're eternal, why would you let this happen? His rule is outside of time. Altogether, He reigns in eternity. He's the eternal God. He's not subject to history. This is an historical 
thing that actually did happen. We can look back in the historical annals and find out that yes, they did make a raid on Israel. They did make a raid on all the other nations too around. God creates history. He played a huge part in that, didn't He? He plays a huge part in everything. It's a good place to start, isn't it? Now the next one is He says, are you not from everlasting? Of course He is. Oh Lord, my God. And the Lord is in capital letters. What's that mean? Yahweh. Which means self-existent. Self-existent. He doesn't depend on anything else. Anybody else. And he said that his name was Yahweh whenever he spoke to Moses. You remember the burning bush? And um, Moses said, well, who... You know, he's telling Moses he's going to go out and tell the news there to Pharaoh what the plan was. Who shall I say who sent me? What does he say? I am. Or Yahweh. Self-existent. Eternal. Self-existent. Doesn't depend on anybody. Self-determining. Totally in control. Oh Lord, my God. My Holy One. And of course, when you think of holy, God is in the light. Absolutely no dark whatsoever. Holiness, He's separate. He's transcendent. Far above all of His creation. And uh, this is the kind of God He is. He is holy. He's so holy that He could never do anything wrong. And as Habakkuk is thinking about this, if God's doing this thing, He's calling Him a holy one, and He's going to do everything perfect, He can't do anything wrong. It's got to start hitting on His brain here. Okay, if He does that, it's a right thing to do. It's a holy thing. I may not be getting this, but He's holy. And He can't go against what His nature is. And He says, we will not die. Um, could be taken a couple of different ways. It could be in the sense that the nation would not be destroyed. There would still be an Israel. If we want to look at His faithfulness, He made a promise that He, he would not destroy them. He, he's got a Messiah that He's going to go go to. You know, He's the one that's going to be coming in uh, like 600 years from now uh, as He speaks to Habakkuk. So it has to be through those people. So he, he, And so it may be in that sense. Or maybe he's, you know, he could be saying, you know, like what we think that uh, surely he's on, on the believers, he's, he's not going to get it to where we would, we would die. You know, he'll, he'll deliver us somehow. Uh, but that is not always the case. Matter of fact, uh, we're in a nation, and there can be righteous people in a nation that will die. But I, I like to think of the sense that, uh, you know, you can see it in two ways there, and he doesn't get all this that's going on. Obviously, he's going to ask another question. But uh, we know that God is a faithful God and uh, He's a covenant God and that's the way that we always need to to look at Him. Uh, You, O Lord, calls Him Yahweh again, have appointed them to judge. You have appointed the Chaldeans, the Babylonians to judge it. You have appointed this to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to do it. Evidently, that's what you want to do. And you, O rock, have established them 
to correct to correct us. Here's here's what I'm getting from you, God. I'm 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 getting it here. Uh, you're doing this. You're an immovable God. You're the rock. Um, you're the one who is solid. You're powerful. You're omnipotent here. Um, remember, this is the God that said, "Let there be light." And there was right. What a God! Absolute power. God's in control. So if if we have problems, maybe. Looking at this verse here, this just this verse twelve. It's a really practical verse to hit on, isn't it? To start thinking about who he is. Now, all of a sudden, it's kind of taking that problem and our, even our own selves down. It just kind of collapses, and you start looking way up here, and, and you get the right perspective. That is where Habakkuk needs to be. Now, he's questioning the action of God in verse 13 as he comes out and and, uh, tells the nature of God there. And the question is, why are you using the Chaldeans? Your eyes are too too pure, he's holy, to approve evil. Uh, He's going to judge sin, isn't he? He's not going to allow it to continue. Only thing is, our time is, okay, well now, put it out, right? And he has allowed sin to go from the very day that Adam and Eve sinned. And sin has been here since then. And he, he could have judged it totally there. But he, he didn't. That wasn't his plan. But Habakkuk knows that he's a God who is so holy. And he's so separate from sin and evil. And he says, you cannot look on wickedness with favor. And then he, here, here's the question. This is the second question. Okay. You bring it on the Chaldeans. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? You're going to judge us, but why them? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? And I believe that he's probably talking about his people who would seem to be more righteous. Yeah, we can deal with if somebody else comes in that's holier or better at serving God than us. We can let them take over top. But to have people that are more wicked, that doesn't make sense. They would say, why would a righteous God let the wicked succeed? It's like they won over, you know, it's like, um, you know, there's not, you know, that really gets to us. You know, you can, let's say, you have somebody come to and say, okay, they know better what's going on. Okay, they deserve it. I can justify that one. Okay. Why wouldn't you use somebody else yeah, that why would was you use somebody better, better right? than somebody more wicked to destroy them? How can God use the wicked to judge the righteous? The, the more righteous, as it's kind of stated here. It's a it's a lesson for all of us. God is going to use different people that we would would never expect. To judge us. To suffer the consequences. But who was the more righteous? Because in the Bible it says there is none righteous, no, not one. And in God's book, all that mattered was this. There was none more righteous than the other. And that really gets things into perspective. Yeah. In our own eyes, in how we behold ourselves. Right. I've been watching a 
TV channel. I think it's called Link TV, and it's produced in the Middle East. And from their standpoint, all of the news, they're righteous. And all this United States-backed uh, everything actions in the world, in the Middle East in particular, and this is unholy, ungodly, and they're righteous, and they're going to prevail. So righteousness is in the eye of whoever is. We think our cause is righteous. They think our cause is ungodly. Yeah. Yeah, the Muslims, what everything that they're doing, they really believe it's, it's righteous. It's righteous. They serve a righteous God, and they, they attribute their actions, all of them, to righteousness. And that's, uh, yeah. Habakkuk had it right most of the time. <laughs> there are some things he couldn't understand. Hmm. He knew God was eternal from everlasting to everlasting. But, and I think he makes that statement, we will not die, thinking yeah. God's going to, oh, surely God, this everlasting God, is going to preserve me or us. And, of course, Habakkuk died. Sometime. Yeah. <laughs> it's a total surprise. Well, put that into, into today's world. Uh, I look at Iran. Uh, they are what we would call an unrighteous, ungodly people. Uh, but God, I think, is using them in a lot of parts of the world to judge. And he may use them to judge us someday. Very well. And what right do we have to say, you know, we're so righteous, God, oh, surely he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't allow them to fly a plane into the world racing. Mm-hmm. Surely not. Do we think we forget that God made all every mankind, all mankind? Do you think God just yeah, kind of made just us? I said, I said, do you not think that when you take that view, it's because we forget that God has made all those people, every person God has made. We can kind of go back to the abortion thing. So we got like, it's just that God doesn't make mistakes. He makes, and so He's made every human being, and we forget that He's made every human being. And we think just we look at just us as Christians, but it's like going to deal with the unrighteous. We forget that God has made them also, and let's say whatever their purpose is. Yeah, as we say, we forget like the Middle East that all those things we sit in the city going on. But each one of those people, God has made them. For God has made these Chaldeans, but He's raised them up and made them for the purpose of judging those self-righteous religious folks. That's what he does in chapter two. So he and he will judge sin. He will judge. Oh, I think that's quite a message to all of mankind, um, not only to nations. So we can see as individuals and uh, and the whole the whole gamut. And God is uh, he definitely thinks differently the way than the way that man thinks. But as we get more in tune in with God's word. We can see how he acts. No, we're not going to have the answer for everything, but when you when you get the general gist of God has done this all throughout the Old Testament. 
whether whether it be the Egyptians, whether it be the Philistines, whether it whatever the enemy was, uh, the Edomites, they were quite a pestering bunch of people to Israel as they had gone into Canaan, and you know you, you keep thinking that uh, you know surely God is going to raise His people up, and you know they will never be uh, under any kind of harm whatsoever. And uh, as we look throughout all of Scripture, we see God work righteously in all that. And so it's tuning in with His righteousness rather than the way that we would think. And uh, it starts, starts changing well, we things. We stop being God. We have to let Him be in control. Yeah. And That's the whole thing. Like <laughs> we, we think we know better. Actually, we wouldn't say that. But. Make an idol out of anything. Including our own um, associations with, you know, the word we're part of Christian body, part of, you know, Christ, turn that into an idol and say, well, it's us and it's them. And like Carol was saying, God made everybody. And, you know, Noah, uh, as far as we know, he didn't pray for, uh, you know, he didn't intercede that God would save the world. I mean, we don't know, but and it's not recorded that he did. Uh, we don't know about you know, this. Or, and then, of course, Jonah complained about the Ninevites, you know, the God, what God was doing there. So, I don't know. It, 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 I, I think we're, we're supposed to be perplexed. Uh, because of all the, the accounts of all the prophets and godly people, you know, who have been perplexed over the generations by what God is doing, you know, so we don't get bumped up, forget who we are. Right, right. I think that's very good. It's, it's, and I tell you what, it, it uh, should, because we're always going to have a tendency to have some kind of self righteousness, aren't we? Pride always is, you know, we're, we're God's people. You know? And yeah, He is going to protect us and, and care for us, but He's going to do it in the way that He's going to see what the best way is. And so, you know, it's, I, I think it's uh, very timely then. I think also, too, the fact that Israel uh, you know, established by God and now with theocracy, it's a whole different mindset. Uh, it's kind of like the Muslim people are, you know, they're... They're, the Islam is, is really a religion, a politics, a political system, and a military, or it's all those elements. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in ancient Israel, that's a theocracy. So, naturally, I think the mindset is, you know, they raise the children to think, well, we're, we're God's people, and these are the infidels, and we're, you know, the outcasts, just like the Muslims think. Yeah, you're born into a, yeah. a group of people that makes you automatic. Right? Again, you get kind of an idolatry that you get. Kind of irritant about yourself. Yeah, like, like people are. People do. Some of them do. Whatever. Anyway. That's right. Well, as you, as you look down through, uh, like, well, 13 through 17. Um, you start seeing the character of the Chaldeans. We've already seen that God's going to use them and how they're going to attack it. Now he gives, like, in, in, in the question that Habakkuk, for instance, okay, he says, you're going to bring the Chaldeans on. 
I don't quite understand that. Uh, God, you're a holy God, though. Uh, you know, he, he's trying trying to really get this, and he's doing. And like Odin said, he's, I think he's doing a pretty good job. He, he's getting an understanding. I think when he comes up to the end of this chapter, I think he's got a really good understanding. Uh, it's kind of like what happened to Job, you know, right at the end of the book. But the Chaldeans are ruthless. We see that they are prideful. We see that they are a group of people that are uh, unjust in their actions. If you look at verse 16, for instance, it's like they're worshiping the net that catches the fish. Using a metaphor there, but it's a good illustration as they're bringing in and destroying those nations, and they're they're getting their catch. You know, it's like their worship is that in itself of what what they're doing. Uh, right, right. That's like the fishermen who would worship his hook. You see, they made a god out of their own might, and they were so proud of their ability to scoop in the nation. They were just scooping them up, dragging them in, and there was such wholesale carnage going on and on the part of the Chaldeans that God decided to use them as Israel's judge. And so Habakkuk is like, "Are you going to keep on allowing this God? Are you going to let these people just run wild?" Uh, they're just going to be able to trample on people and, and destroy. And you know, Aren't you ever going to intervene? Um, so that's the second thing that bothered me. It's a good question. I think it's a question that we'd probably all ask, especially if you got direct revelation from him. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is he waited a long time. Who knows how long he had been asking this. He, he said he had been crying. How long, Lord, will I call for help? And you're not here. And so God finally says, here's what it is. Now I ask another question. And I like what, what happens here in verse 1 of chapter 2. And then our break happens where God will come in and then answer again. I'll stand on my guard post. I like this. And station myself on the rampart. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. And how may I reply when I am reproved? <laughs> what, what is he saying here? So what he's doing is that uh, he says, I'm going to wait. Okay, I presented it to you here, God, uh, God again. That's just what we've been talking about, right? And what I'm going to do, I'm going to be like a watchman. <laughs> I'm gonna, you, know, you remember the uh, the watchman on the wall? You remember Ezekiel, right? And uh, the the problem with us is that we don't get answers from God, right? We, we think that. It's, it's, uh, it's that we don't get them what we think we have to have. You know, we don't get what we really think what we ought to have, right? So then we make up our own. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going to stand here, God, and I'm going to set myself on a tower. Just a little hissy I'm going to wait till I see the answer. I'm going to wait. Yeah. I <laughs> That too, he, he knows where he knows who to go to, and that's the whole key of it all. 
he still has these things to work through, which we all do too. This is why this is such a great book. You see God giving the answer to everything in here, and you see mankind, even though they're believers and they're justified by Him, at the same time, we're, we're trying to seek out wisdom. We ask questions. Sometimes there might be kind of foolish questions that we ask God. But, but if we're His, in another sense, they're not really foolish. If we're really trying to stand for righteousness. But yeah, can you imagine, here, here is this little man, and here's the great big God. And, and yes, our answer always is, well, God is sovereign. And ultimately, that's what our answer is. But in the meantime, you say things happen and going down. That it still doesn't make sense in that area, and now it really hits you personally. But you've got to like him because he keeps pursuing him. I think that's what you're saying here. Okay, I'm going to wait. I know you're going to answer. I'm going to wait. I waited before. I'm going to wait again. Now he might have to wait some time because God's not going to bring this on immediately. That's what Habakkuk wanted. It's not about Habakkuk. Yeah. Um. God, I, 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 I've tried here, but um, and you've answered me. Uh, I'm just going to wait to see what I answer when when I'm reproved. <laughs> and of course, he winds up chapter three's praise <laughs> God, and he starts getting it a little bit. But um, he knows God has the answer. Um, he knows God is a faithful God. A watchman would be one who's responsible. He is a prophet. And I think um, him being this prophet that he is, he knows that he's going to have to give news to people. A watchman is one who would see the enemy enemy coming. And it's kind of a... would be a nerve-wracking job because there you see them coming and then you've got to tell the people and and you've got to stay your, at your station and you don't go to sleep. You've got to be watching always. Like a guard. Yeah. Yeah. The the watchman can't miss anything though. <laughs> they can't miss it. They better they they can't miss anything. Okay, we know um he's gonna stand here, he's gonna wait. He questioned God, and we see that, you know, and we see it in verse one. I've questioned God, I've asked him, I've argued with him, hey, do you know what hey what am I gonna do here? I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna wait, and whether God reproves me or whether God answers me, I'm gonna wait till he answers. Now <laughs> there he is. Right? I'm going to try to think of some power. I think he's very good down until he gets to the third sentence. And how I may reply when I am reproved. <laughs> yeah. Now, now look, look on, I know I'm getting ahead, but to answer that question, God did speak to him and tell him some things. I heard and my inward parts trembled. Mm-hmm. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay entered my bones, and in my place I trembled. That was his response when God finally did to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's getting a good view of God. He makes a <laughs> yeah. bold statement there at the beginning when he knows nothing of the character of God. Yeah. So, how much time he lasts between two verses and one and two? I don't know. Not very much, probably. God just made that chapter two and three statement. 
I can read it in five minutes. <laughs> 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 how long was that war, do you know? Hmm? Do you know how long that went on, the whole thing? Mm-hmm. How many years? Nope. Could have been, could have been a while since he had, well, first started praying. You know, he's he's seen this for a long time. God hadn't answered. Finally, he God answers him. Uh, we don't know how much longer it went till you know. But I I would tend to think as he is replying back to God that you know it says then the Lord answered me. Uh, and then it's time to get to chapter 3 and then they're attacking everything. But it's going to be a little bit before the enemy comes down there. It's not going to be like it's going to be coming the next day. Uh, not like uh, next week, maybe. But there there was a little time. Uh, he prophesied during that time that they were mounting up and getting ready to come. Um, okay, he sits there. He waits. Uh, he is aware in this silence. And he knows that God's going to answer. He knows that. What's he going to answer? J.D. Smith put it like this. And it's about like waiting. And we all wait on the Lord. That's that's part of the, the idea of prayer. It really makes us actually wait on Him. That's what He wants because in the meantime, He's working to work on us. He said, waiting, yes, trusting, trusting, trustfully waiting. I know though I've waited long that while He withholds His purpose... His waiting cannot be wrong. Waiting. Yes, waiting. Still waiting. The Master will not be late. He knows that I am waiting for Him to unlatch the gate. (laughs) Waiting. Just trusting. Waiting. And now we get the answer. And God is going to basically say, don't worry about it. They're not going to get away with it. God can't handle evil by being complacent. He can't tolerate sin. He'll never tolerate sin. Sometimes he can put it out like that, but most often he lets it ride until the time is ready for that judgment. So he says, okay. Then Yahweh answered me and said, record the vision. Write it down. Scribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It's not quite there yet. But it will be. It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. There is a judgment coming. It will happen. Though it tarries, wait for it. That's the, that's the idea. I think waiting has a lot of um, lessons here, doesn't it? For it will certainly come. It will not delay. Now that's on God's timetable. Our timetable says He's delaying. And it's trying... You know, we need to think like God thinks. And it's going to take a lifetime <laughs> but this, it, it's helpful as we look at the way that God works. Appointed time. They are only doing what they're doing for an appointed time. And just like Israel was judged, they're going to be judged for their sin. You were asking, he's, it's like God saying, okay, you're asking about, okay, what about them? You know, why are you using them? And he says, hey, I'll use them. I'll use them to, to purpose, in my purpose. But at the same time, He's getting ready to say, here's how I'm going to judge them. Here, here's the judgment on them. Here's how it works. And so, we're going to see that God is still a righteous God. God is not going to let those Chaldeans get away with what they wanted to do. So, he's, he's, it's like telling a backup. He didn't have to tell him this. 
But he does because not only is it good for Habakkuk and all the believers and even the unbelievers of that world, and up to today, <laughs> it is really still really good, isn't it? Don't worry. It's not a matter of whether I will judge. It's a matter of when I will judge. I'm going to do it. Look in, um, look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Does that sound familiar? It's just what we read in Habakkuk 2.3. That was quoted by the Hebrew writer. And then he uses the next one. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. In the meantime, you're waiting. In the meantime, yes, I'm going to judge. In the meantime, just keep trusting me. You live it out. You live the faith. You live it. A true believer does do that. It's a mark of a believer. Um, anyway, uh, there's a time for everything. Time for every season. Ecclesiastes, right? Okay, that's time. Now, we get into that great verse. Oh boy, it's time. Behold, as for the proud one, he separates the two. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul was not right within him. And he's taken the nation there. But this could apply to every soul. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. But the righteous will live by his faith. And that's the verse that, of course, was recorded in Romans and by Paul and then later on the Reformation had that as their spark to get them kicked off. That's what Luther um, really focused upon as as it finally clicked the righteous, the ones who are justified. He knew that he could never be right before a holy God because he knew he sinned. How can I be right before God? God, do I love Him? No, I hate Him, right? He said those things and then it struck him. The just, the righteous people, the ones who are His, are going to live by faith. Not by any kind of works, not anything else. But And that's why Paul put that in Romans. It's also found in uh, Hebrews, or, which we just read in verse 38, and it's also found in Galatians 3.11. The just shall live by faith. The righteous. Um, they're the ones who believe God. The other ones are the ones who don't believe God. They're trusting in their own way, right? What he does from here on out to the end of the chapter is that he takes these woes there are five woes. And in verse 5, he says, Furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man. Now, we've, we've talked about the proud one in verse 4. And I'm going to stop off with this verse 5. But furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol and he is like death, never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples. Babylon was doing that, just conquering everybody. And they were doing it in their own prideful way, greedy way. They, one country was not enough. They wanted more. They wanted, they wanted the whole world. They wanted to take over completely. They were greedy. So pride and greed is what uh, seems to be the, the spark here. They always want more, and that's what Sheol does. It swallows up people in death, right? Sheol is never satisfied. Yeah, Barb. Oh, 
Talking about Babylon there? Yeah. He's talking about the Chaldeans. The, the, well, that's Chaldeans. Whenever I say Babylon or the Chaldeans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, granted, you know, I mean, that's directly what he's talking about, but we can also see in this people who are unbelievers, just like in verse 4, the context is that nation, and of course, Habakkuk is, is a righteous one. He is one that God has chosen. And he does live by faith. And this whole thing that he's, he's going to have to do is, as he in, is encountering uh, a nation coming upon them and, and he's going to have to deliver this message to the people or uh, whatever's going to happen uh, in his life and who knows how long he's going to live through it. But as long as he lives, he's, he's going to live just trusting in God. And I think we see that even in, in his questions, even though we know that he's like this and God is... <laughs> You know, eternal, right? He knew. I think our our problem, one of our problems, we've got many, one of our problems is we have a hard, we don't realize that there is God's kingdom and there is another kingdom and there's only those two. You're part of one or the other. And there's going to be eventually an eternal judgment of the ungodly kingdom. And what he's speaking of here, Habakkuk, three little verses, covers about 2,900 years so far. And we're not at the end of it yet. And my favorite little book is Joel. Three little mini chapters covers 28, 2,900 years so far. And it includes the rest of the time until the Lord comes back. Uh, and we try to fit Habakkuk or Joel or something into, oh, well, it's got to be maybe a hundred years back in time. No, it's, a, it's a from now on, from the time he spoke it until the eternity. That's why we can say that as we look back at Genesis, the same thing was going on there, wasn't it? The same story. You have, you have the two lines that are happening. You have the, the ones who are just, uh, the ones who are not. The kingdom and the other kingdom. Or the two, tale of two cities. What is uh, part of the ungodly kingdom for God's kingdom lots of time? If you read Revelation chapter 17, it lists what falls when God judges the ungodly kingdom. That is everything I walk around in today. It's my government, it's my education system, it's my financial system, it's everything that falls. And I think that's pretty good. It's all part of this ungodly Babylonian kingdom. Yep. It's, uh, he will <laughs> God is chopping that away, isn't he? That's the message all throughout Scripture, isn't it? That's the in a nutshell. So as we walk and live in this life, we have to take what we know to be true 
the very Word of God, who God is. Live that by faith. Your vision, your hearing, all the senses may be experiencing other things that's out there or alluring, you know, too. And we just keep walking. That word walk really has uh, a message in itself, doesn't it? Just keep walking that you know you line up with the Lord. Very good. Anyway, we'll um, we'll probably pick up with um, in in uh, the chapter two there, and then uh, we'll uh, see what happens from there. Yeah, we're we're not no. <laughs>